Culture is the the truth. The culture is the truth. Culture is the food for. It's culture itself. The fine art, which is sculpture, painting, music, and poetry, is useless. Except for one use. One is to, to calm the whole human soul and human spirit and continuation of humanity. You know, this, this is it. This is what we are made of. This is a statement. Michael Chow, otherwise known as M, is my guest on this edition of the Big Interview. A man who's been known as an artist and restaurateur extraordinaire from the supercharged 1960s to the present day. He's also a man with a fascinating past. Born in Shanghai in 1939, he's the son of Zhu Jingfang, the most celebrated star of the Peking Opera. The young Michael was sent to British boarding school in the 1950s and never saw his beloved father again. The latter silenced and exiled by communist China's deadly cultural revolution. The young Michael, though, studied art at St Martin's College in London and became an artist with a keen entrepreneurial eye on a rather more benign cultural wave sweeping London in the form of the swinging 60s. Chow and his business partner launched chic hair salons before, in 1968, Michael opened Mr Chow in Knightsbridge, a restaurant that became an instant sensation and institution, serving Chinese food by Italian waiters in a room akin to a theatre. Beatles, Stones, models, racing drivers, aristocrats and Hollywood glitterati descended. Over the years, as the restaurants became a small chain in fun locations from Manhattan to Beverly Hills via Miami and Las Vegas, M, the artist, was painting and collecting. He's enjoyed a long life of curiosity, good business and great art, and I spoke to him as he was preparing for a new show of his paintings titled Bridges at London's Waddington Cousteau Gallery. I'm Robert Bound, and I spoke to Michael Chow, M, in London for the big interview. Michael M, it's wonderful to have you on the show today. Thanks very much for your time. Congratulations on your on your new show at Waddington Custo on Cork Street. What brought you back to painting after all this time? Well, I never left it emotionally anyway. Good. So looking back, you know, I've been painting for 67 years, something mm. like that. I started very young, went to St. Martin's. Mm-hmm. Then I painted about 13 years like a madman. Yeah. In Britain, you know, at that time, I arrived here, they were still rationing sweets when I was young, young lad. So you had all your teeth. Yeah, it's a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> what was the What was the atmosphere like at St Martin's in in that in those days? London was people were making making London a brighter place. The yeah. artists, a lot of life drawing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you usually start life drawing very early in the morning on nine o'clock, and you know, kind of very. And then when the models lot, are lot, cold, a lot, lot of jazz <laughs> dancing, a lot of dancing, a right. lot, lot of parties. So it was like incredible. At that time, you know, Britain, all the different class people, all the young people, they went to all the different art school, you know, Central, mm-hmm. Royal Academy, Slade. This is very, very important foundation mm-hmm. for the Cultural Revolution bracket, unlike the Chinese one. That cultural revolution led to swinging London or the explosion of the creativity or all form of life in Great Britain and the class leveling, you know, all the class were destroyed, so to speak. That's what, that was an incredible revolution mm-hmm. and led to the 60s, which is the explosion of everything. Everything Great Britain did was great, even won the soccer match. 
Beatles, Stone, everything British. Mary Quant and Fidel Sassoon. You're too young to know these. There's things. a lot of numbers. Yeah, it it felt like it felt days. like a black and white photograph was suddenly being colorized by these bands, yeah. by these fashion designers, yeah. by all sorts of things, yeah. and by an influx of other people. Yeah. How did you find it coming, well, being born I, in I was, Shanghai, I, being I, Chinese, yeah, and coming? I have a good fate and good fortune yeah. to be the center of it. Okay? Yeah. So being Chinese, it's 100%. Uh, there's a lot of racism going on. But in Britain, one thing that you can in America it's money basically to mm-hmm. to leveling uh, level play, the playing field leveling the playing yeah, field yeah. in in England three things you have to be aristocratic you have to be talented in arts and you have to be an eccentric and fortunately I'm all three <laughs> <laughs> as luck would how have do, it how do I know because Oscar yeah. Wilde told me because <laughs> you've got his fax number, right? Uh? You've got his fax number still. Yeah. Um, it's an amazing thing. You escaped a lot of the wrong thing at the wrong time coming from China in that time and what happened then to your family members in the Cultural Revolution. So you started painting at Central St. Martins. Yeah. What is the through line in the work that you were making then? And you said you worked furiously for yeah. 10 or 12 years. Well, What's the through line between that the work and The thing is I was born work? into a theatre. My father was the national treasure yeah. in the theatre. So I want, always wanted to be in the Beijing Opera troops, but I didn't have the opportunity. Obviously, I can't. In England, impossible. So then I turned to painting and basically turned to painting. So that's my seed. And the, the right time, you know, again, it's the right time. I had an opportunity to show at Leslie Gar- Lester Gallery, sorry, mm-hmm. Redfern. You know, mm-hmm. I went and sold a painting to Boca, a woodcut. And uh, St. Martin's was fantastic. Cre- Look, Look, all these art schools, which is government-driven, I guess, it was the biggest fantastic thing. Mm-hmm. Everyone becomes, have all the opportunity, exploded as proven in the 60s, as I said. So you're under that, you know, so I met everyone, you know, everyone. Even I rented a garage, I was so poor, I rented a garage of Victor Passmore. <laughs> and uh, so Peter Blake, so now it's uh, Peter Blake, and uh, we become friends and all that. You know, the usual laundry list of suspects of all the British art world, you know, everyone. It seemed like there was a lot of mixing of the different worlds then, pop bands hanging out with contemporary artists who are hanging out with aristocrats. It was a time when these walls were crushing and dissolving, and you were front and centre in all this as an artist and as a restaurateur. In 1968, you opened Mr Chow in Knightsbridge. Tell us a little bit about that. So if I become a successful artist, yeah. I don't know yet, but almost getting there, and now the Waddington have taken me on. Yeah. Uh, look back, my career is perfect, but I take a little bit longer than others. Mm-hmm. So I'm very happy to talk a radical sabbatical almost 50 years, not quite. And that is very good. If I paint it throughout, I'll be in shit because I will be destroyed and will be... This is like you take a pause... Literally radical sabbatical. It's a sabbatical which I eventually turned the restaurant into a theater, completely theater, my restaurant theater. Mm-hmm. And it's humanly not possible for one man to support that over half a century, the restaurant being there 54 years. It's a very taxing environment in the restaurant, but I turned into theater. So the minute you turn into theater, it's like a long running musical. Yeah. On multi locations, meaning New York, Miami, and here I'm. Doing a little bit of advertising, I'll give you the phone numbers later. <laughs> Put them out on air. It's your very own culinary mousetrap. 
right? It's the longest running thing Long in, run is in sure. the it's West like, End. You remember there's a play, what was the longest run? Mousetrap. That's right, yeah, you said it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. that's what yeah. I'm trying to do. Well, I'm trying to do is, half the work This is here. what I mean, you see. <laughs> I haven't lived here for a long time, right? For about 30 years, I don't know, mm-hmm. whatever. So the minute I come home, all the references come to me. Mm-hmm. You see, how many people, nobody in America knows windmill, nobody in America knows mousetrap, and the list of vocabulary which we are using. So you're getting back into it, I can feel you. We're no, it's you in back me, into the it's bath. in me. I grew up with it, you yeah. see? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is there a through line between the work that you were making back then in the, in the 50s as an art student and beginning to sell work and the work that you're making now and that's on display at Waddington? Yeah, absolutely. You know, my type of work is collaging. Collaging is you have the freedom, things that, don't go together, can go together. And that's my life. You know, my life is filled with collage, with East, West, all kinds of things, all kinds of different things. And I managed to put it a little bit like a Rauschenberg's combine painting. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So this is very good medium. And yes, I took from the, my last painting, which I did a poor painting. It was the impression, the kind of breakthrough. Use household paint mm-hmm. to pour it. And now I paint poor sheets, eight feet by eight feet, all made out of paint. My painting, my proudest moment in my concept is to bridge painting to sculpture. And that's important to make it four-dimensional. I was being modest earlier, saying it's a two-and-a-half dimension. But Jacob, the leader of uh, Waddington Gallery, promoted to a four-dimension, and partly due to inflation. <laughs> I was going to say. That's funny. <laughs> sounds, okay. sounds, like, sounds like a dealer's job, yeah. that, right? Yeah. 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 And also, another thing, the British humor... <laughs> The Jewish humor and the British humor is like the best humor in the world, you know? (laughs) So the minute I get to London, I get into a cab, and here we go. Yeah, nice. In America, you go, oh, (laughs) they don't think it's funny. (laughs) (laughs) So you're back into the vibe. I like it. London welcomes you back with open arms. I'm glad. It's nice to have you in the studio. Mummy, I'm home. (laughs) Nice to have you smiling here in the studio, too. And it's a wonderful thing. You have an amazing thing. As people would have heard in the introduction to this program, people will know your profile. People might have eaten at one one of your restaurants, know your face. You've involved yourself deeply into all of these different stratas of the cultural world across all sorts of different disciplines. So there is much to talk about. So that's why we've got to ride roughshod over some of the chronology. We've got so much to talk about. That's yeah. why we're only doing it for 25 minutes. Exactly. <laughs> 29. 29 minutes. Come on. We should have a TV series. Dalton Abbey. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. In fact, they're making a documentary. They're making a documentary. HBO are making a documentary. About you? Yeah. Okay. Coming out next year. Okay, nice. How's it been putting a documentary together with a team then? You've had to sort of go down memory lane. I know that there's a f- sort of phenomenal wealth of wonderful photographs well, that, of, of that, your you life. You know, fortunately, I did a screenplay on my father and everything. So mm. that's already gone on mental and research into my past, which is very important. Mm-hmm. The heritage, my responsibility to his name and everything creative I have in my body. And before I was born, it's all inherited from my father. He happened to be a great, great artist. It's yeah. like a national treasure, as I said. So tell us a little bit. We've spoken in a line about him at the top of the program, but I really wanted to ask you about him, and I'm glad you brought that up. So he was the leading light. He was the yeah the leading theatrical light in yeah. what was then First the Peking all, Opera, right? His, his performance so energetic. It's mm-hmm. ridiculous. You know, to the like Toscanini conducting or Picasso or... All the greats. Mm-hmm. He's one of the greats. These Orson Welles, all the, associated yeah. with all the energy of performance he wrote. And he was young when he was, he was famous when he was six years old 
you know, from the youth and um, very powerful, powerful artist. And the artistry that flows from you and that has taken kind of root in everything from, as you said, this sort of long running endless musical which is your sort of restaurant world to your paintings and your art making does that kind of do you feel that there is that spark coming from your father's legacy from everything that history from my father, everything yeah. first of all the foundation came from my father because he's a giant give me confidence mm-hmm. of course i'm going to be, and also give me the responsibility mm-hmm. to become really have to work extra hard you know, because you preserve his... And also, I miss him so much. I left China when I was 12, 13 years old, alone in London, mm-hmm. and I never saw him, never text him, never... There are no texts. <laughs> never telegram him, never made a phone call, never wrote to him due to political situation. Mm-hmm. So that's very tragic in a way. But on the other hand, it's like a frozen in time who he is. You know? So it's a, there's a sort of unfinished... Story there, yeah. That you're and kind of morning, on. eventually in the culture, cultural region, which is tragic, tragic. Mm. It's a national tragedy, but it's a part of history. Yeah, and that confidence that you say he sort of imparted to mm. you. Did you sit down with him and talk about that stuff, or did you sort of did you kind of mimic that confidence? Do you feel no, that it's as kind an of artist? conduited to my brother? My brother took the mm. same footstep in Beijing, and though he came out and he taught me a lot of things, mm. and I also learned a lot of him. But this confidence, deep, deep, deep down, mm-hmm. this confidence gives you two things: that you know you you're going to be great. Okay, so and at the same time, being great, being an artist. It's given, if you're a good artist, it's given you have to be humble. So the humble side, no need to be reiterated. There, there are moments you think you're yeah, the worst painter in the world or whatever, or that oh, I'm a piece of shit. Another minute I'm so great that, you know, and they say you're yeah, egoist. And all that. So there's conflict going on all the time. And Where this, on that seesaw are you, on that, uh, on that confident humility right now I'm seesaw? Great. You, sound, you sound like you're on good form I'm today. Great. Yeah. <laughs> but any minute, you know, end of the... Oh yeah, God. when the radio show finishes, he crumpled like a paper bag in the wind, down, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and and as you say, we, with all these different ventures that you've been involved in, confidence is something that's essential for it. A kind of a a kind of chutzpah and a kind of anyway a belief in some certainty that that these things are all believe. Gonna... You have faith. Yeah, you have give you foundation. You have faith. You believe. And I'm interested in this particular part in your life where you'd studied art and you'd studied architecture. You were advising. I think different people, you'd opened a, a hair salon on Sloan Street or on Sloan Avenue. And this was the spur, possibly, that had you opening your first restaurant in Knightsbridge. What was going on with you at that time? That's a really, because after being an artist, after leaving China, all the things you'd done in London and then doing something like that, that's a big, outgoing, ebullient gesture and business risk, I suppose. What was going on at that point? Well, I think, you know, the hairdresser was my girlfriend were fired from everywhere for all the top salons. And so I said, let's open one. So I designed it. <laughs> you fired from everywhere. I designed it. Incredible <laughs> design in Sloan. So eventually I sold it to Twiggy and Justin, okay. you know. Mm-hmm. I hate people who drop names and uh, Lady Gaga agrees with me. <laughs> So anyway, back to tweaking, back to hairdressing salon. So that was in 1966, okay? Mm-hmm. The salon was very advanced, mm-hmm. architecturally speaking. So I did that. And then, yeah, so the restaurant thing is basically why so the whole thing's wrong. So I'm trying to bridge East and West and trying to show all greatness of China. 
and also limited because due to racism, limiting what things I can do. I was cynically speaking about Chinese people, especially men, can only be a restaurant laundry. So I'm thinking opening laundry in the front and restaurant in the back. No, I'm kidding. But so <laughs> so but, wait to answer the critics. But racism was so strong. I said, look, it's not going to work. So I created the environment completely, completely contemporary. So there's no sign of Chineseness at all. And then I use Italian waiters. Then I got Peter Blake to paint a antithesis of racism, and then he decided to paint a portrait of me, and very racistic portrait. This is the most important painting. I think it's a for uh, for racism, so to speak, symbolic. Mm-hmm. It's um, Frisco and Lorenzo one and Wildman Michael Chow, the particular painting. And it's quite a big one. So he did that painting. And since then, the portrait collection started. But back to the restaurant. So nothing Chinese. You think, then one day I looked in the mirror. Right. I'm Chinese. And That's this no guy. Good, because I can't charge a dollar more now. You need no Chinese, <laughs> you can charge a dollar more. Right. So the cuisine, <laughs> the chefs are the authentic, true food. But the presentation, the completely international, completely contemporary, completely westernized. So you know what I did? I can't put a mask on, so I put glasses on, so it make me less Chinese. Is which that is true. Very sad, but very true. I was going to say, you've always had, you've always struck me as having glasses. You look at the orange. It's great in the studio, ladies yeah, and That's gentlemen. why you're talking to me, because I look less Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. Um, Obviously. I always thought, I always. You're very quick, like. <laughs> I've been to that restaurant back in the 90s and had such a great time. And it was quite a celebrity hangout. I was working for a big chat show in the UK at the time, the late 90s. You were a baby. And when, yeah, exactly. I was a baby. And you always had such a good look. You always had this great look. How? I mean, that seems like it maybe you, is... You meaning me or you mean the restaurant? You, you had... Oh, me. You I have such always, a look, oh, really? Yeah, you've had such a... You've got a very public friendly you've got a, yeah. you've got a brand which is a visual yeah. thing right yeah which is the visual way that you've thing. always looked well, visually very, yeah because you look you I'm come in here looking like some sort of spring chicken yeah. with yeah. very cool orange your signature round glasses on so yeah that anyway so the essence it seems of these restaurants as you said it was this great food this great presentation this kind of slick internationalized production but it was very it had this very kind of theatrical bent about it as well which people hadn't sort of seen before. When did that click in? That this restaurant in Knightsbridge was a success, and how? Oh, what did day that one. allow you to day do? one? Yeah. Okay. Day one. Really? Yeah. Everybody there. Yeah. Yeah. The Beatles, chefs, the people, everybody there. Everybody there. I mean, everybody. There. I mean, I have that fortune. I have met everybody. I know everybody. I mean, but I don't know them well. I just have that fate and fortune. Mm-hmm. Where do you think that comes from? Have you got a shining star? No, it's star? come from the a... just like. Winston Churchill has this premonition or whatever they call it. You yeah. know? So there's this thing, like even this show shouldn't happen. Shouldn't happen. This show at Waddington took me 70, almost 70 years. Okay. Yeah. I, was, I met Victor Waddington when, when I was a young painter. When the Waddington Gallery opened, of course, his career went before that. Mm-hmm. You know, at that time in Cork Street, you know, that was the beginning. And I was wanted with a show there and didn't have an opportunity, but eventually, you know. What about the art world, the sort of public face of the art world? Obviously, your restaurants as well, and you as an artist has sort of encouraged people into those places. 
food and artists always go well or you know you're talking about my personal career relating I'm just talking to... about the atmosphere you've created in these places and the fact that people are presumably the likes of Warhol Basquiat going all, all the way back as well sort of have been attracted to the atmosphere that you've created as well, much as I yourself. created a world where dealing with luxury you know mm-hmm. and no luxury without fantasy remember that no luxury without fantasy mm-hmm. now my quote is from Emil Jack Ruman who's one of the greatest art deco designer so it's glamorous, it's international, always international. Why international? Just like the Dada movement, internationally important because no racism. In Dada's creation of low globalization without border, it's important because of the devastation of the First World War. It was so devastating. So same thing here. Racism is so devastating, so painful. You live with it all the day, and then you're trying to make no border, you see? Mm-hmm. So, so global, international. Let all people unite and all that. Basically, the culturally driven, like to come from culture. Culture is the the truth. Culture is the truth. Culture is the food for. Is culture itself the fine art, which is sculpture, painting, music, and poetry, is useless. Except for one use. One is to, to calm the whole human soul and human spirit and continuation of humanity. You know, this, this is it. This is what we are made of. This is a statement. End um, of speech. <laughs> I like it. I yeah. like it. I mean, the, the work that you make, does that speak to that or is it just part of that wider well, ethos? A, is it part based, of that wider belief? There are two things. One side is the, the grandeur of what the speech sounds. Mm-hmm. And the other is every detail is a universe. So every detail is a universe. Everything is how you make the cappuccino, the, the whole universe, you know, and you find the focus, which is the form, Okay. And then you find the charmer with the Chinese word and how to do it. So everything, how to do it, how to do a broadcast, how you come in. Mm-hmm. So there's the whole, so all the details, right? You put hundreds, thousands of details to make you great like you are as a broadcaster. <laughs> I, I, I doff my I'm cap. trying to if get your job. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Peter Blake's wonderful portrait of you. And yeah. I know that you No, too... it's not a wonderful portrait of me. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's my inspiration say, look, do you antithesis of racism? Okay. That painting represents, you know, few common denominator of racism. First of all, there's no differentiation, no respect to everything the same. Japanese, Chinese, all the same. <clears throat> so he put the Japanese wine charm with the Chinese, all mixed up. They don't care. Yeah. Because they have no respect for you. So they don't care. You know? Right. So all these elements in there, he painted me yellow and it's half Chinese, half Italian. And the whole, it's incredible painting. It's, it's all the essence of racism, what we want to say is there. So that should be a flagship, just like, uh, in my opinion, you know, <laughs> being prejudicial. But uh, like Picasso's, uh, you know, the Granica for peace, right? Mm-hmm. What, what is that thing called? Granica. Granica. Thank, thank you very much. So Granica is for peace. And yeah. that portrait it should be symbol for the global for what, what, what? Anti-race in the movement, yeah. I wanted to ask you about portraits because a lot have been painted of you, haven't they? Well, the thing and is, I'm a, collector. A collect- I'm a collector. I'm a collector. So I collect first shot of movies, yeah, which yeah. I demonstrated in a short space of time, I hope. It can satisfy <laughs> the viewers, the, the Dr. No and uh, the other one. And uh, so the portraiture, I said, wow. So he started the first one, that was started the collection. At that time... Portraiture almost dead. No one did. Mm. No one do portraiture anymore. It's like a, a completely uncool thing until Warhol later. Not so. I had a good opportunity, good fortune again. Back to fortune again. I had David Hockney immediately, and uh, Jean Michel Basquiat, Dan Flavin, 
I don't know, Keith Haring, everybody, name dropping again. And With friends Lady like Gaga, Lady Gaga agrees with me. <laughs> and uh, uh, Ed Ruscha and uh, the whole thing. So I have a huge collection of portrait going through the span of 60 years. And what's your collecting? How do you flex your collecting muscle? Do you know as soon as you meet an artist or you see a work well, I was that a you want collector, to have that? Yeah. Born collector. When I was very young in China, I had a fantastic collection of Russian stamps. Since then, I've been collecting everything. I've been collecting Chinese antiquity, contemporary art, the whole thing, everything, even doorknobs, even Mickey Mouse watches, all the furniture, all the, all the chairs of the world. Which I collect everything. Really. I love and, that. And then including, not limiting to uh, first shot of movies, which is difficult to do last 80 years. How do you title your your works, your artwork? Oh, that's very simplistic. It's just, uh, you know, the, the painting I did in this untitled show. Untitled number one brackets. What, You're no, not uh, in that realm, are you? Sorry? You're not untitled number one no, brackets. No, I do a little bit of that. You know, <laughs> I did my work on one breath painting. Yeah. I did there too many, you know, so you say, you know. Uh, menu number five. No, I'm kidding. So one painting I call it mountain because it looks like a mountain. But <laughs> but another one I call it a hurricane because it's very very violent and all going on. And sometimes kind of come uh, kind of political, the, the political poetry, basically poetry thing, right? Yeah, and you've got such a fertile imagination and mind, and you it seems like you spin a lot of plates. You know what I mean? Yeah, a lot of plates like these. You're yeah. attending to With them. With my feet, I mean, you know the Chinese. <laughs> if you were in the studio, ladies and gentlemen, you'd be yeah. treated to a fantastic mime. Uh, does that feel, has that been a kind of constant through your life, that keeping all these, your art career, the restaurants, all these different kinds of things, your friendships and relationships and all the rest of it, does it feel like you're tending to these sort of spinning plates? Does it feel like that? No, I think the... I developed that because yeah. I don't necessary. 13 years old, middle of post-war, England, foggy, on the day I arrived, and my whole world gone. Whole world, yeah. every single thing, smell, country, family, love, parents, nothing, okay? So I have to crawl out of that dungeon to survive. And I have to develop all these skills to survive. That's, that's basically it. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of screenwriting. So in my head, even coming here, I would ask a lot of questions to my colleague on my left, what am I walking into? So I'm making this movie already, and I have some experience with uh, podcasts, right? The whole procedure thing. So I, okay, I got that. So I'm writing the script, coming in, getting the coffee, the thing, the bong, the bing, so I'm, I'm rehearsing in my, you know, so my life, it's every minute, and never can rest. I can never <laughs> Every minute I'm making these little, scenario movies, what am I walking into? See, if, if it, right now, if I get up, if I want to go for a pee or something, I have to say, okay, I'm putting this down, then don't run, blah, blah. so I'm working, you know, just everything's like a movie to me. It's a little movie, you know, I'm making for myself visually. And what was the, when you came to England all, the, all those years ago, what was the starting gun for your artistic career? What was the, did you fall in love with a particular painting? Was yes, I did. I did saw? fall in love with the, and this this mm. image is like first love, as it were, mm -hmm. in my painting. And then the painting called Doha or whatever, 2022, that is very quintessential to Dali's Civil War painting. You know, the one holding a breast, oh, very yeah. violent. Mm. And I thought it was, that was the greatest painting. And that's the only painting I've seen, by the way, <laughs> on the magazine, you know. Yeah. So I proceed to copy it. I did copy of this painting. 
And when you look around an art gallery today and you're yeah. in London, you'll go and look at all the yeah. wonderful stuff that there is. Yeah. The Freud's good. Are you the kind of person that goes into a gallery and you, you look at every single painting in chronological order or in, a, in clockwise order? Do you go in and look at three things and leave? How much capacity have you got to absorb all the stuff? Because oh, you know quick, what it's like. You quick, need to... because, right. because they can see I'm not a slow person, right? You just say something, I say something. I'm just, just like you. You're, you're, you're not a slow person. No, you are, no, you are the speedy Gonzalez, so you have to think on your feet <laughs> and you have to talk to all different people, different walk of life walking in here, and they have the universe bringing into you and you're integrating into you. You're already exercised that. You have that talent and that, obviously. So same thing here. As far as viewing for the painting, you walk in a reference and very quick. Mm -hmm. I put it there. Take yeah. 10 seconds. Okay, so I like that. Mm -hmm. The speedy, speedy Gonzalez. Yeah, 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 I like I got it. a joke there, but I don't have time to tell it here. <laughs> I think we've only got time for one question, and that's what about the public face of these things? There'll be a private view for this show. You'll meet collectors, you'll meet friends. There'll be lots of people will come and see you for this. How does that feel, the sort of social side of being an artist and having a show? Some artists hate that sort of thing, but your life and career across all those things has been a, well, quite a public thing. Yeah. But, you know, my father had a saying, because he's in theater, mm. never listen to the hand clapping, always listen to the heart, right? So, unfortunately, <laughs> I love hand clapping. You know, I love hand clapping. So I'll have a good time at the, at, the, at the opening. Yeah, that would be great, especially if you turned up. <laughs> well, I shall see you there. You better turn up, in fact. And this is all on at Waddington Custo. It's on until the middle of January, I think. And it's beautiful stuff. Um, Michael Chow, thank you for talking us in all sorts of order, like a pinball machine through such bing, a wonderful bing, career. Bing, 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 bing. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much. That's it for this edition of The Big Interview. Thanks to our producer, Emma Searle, our editor, Jack Dewars, and our researcher, Emily Sands. From me, Robert Bounds, thank you very much for listening, and until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.